0: You are listening to the Talking Books podcast, a podcast dedicated to the true statement that leaders are readers. We hope you enjoy it and find the discussion helpful as you learn and develop as a leader. Why not join the discussion by visiting carltoncommunitychurch.com forward slash talking books and click join the discussion below the podcast episode. We would love to hear from you.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Talking Books where we're going to talk about chapter 9 of Leadership Pain by Samuel R. Chand and that chapter is entitled The Power of Tenacity and uh, I'm here with John and uh, we're going to go through this chapter together and talk about some of the things we've learned but we'd love for you to join the discussion as well so go to com forward slash talking books find this episode and click the button that takes you to the discussion page and we'd love to hear your thoughts and what you got out of this book as well so as I said I'm here with John and John's going to give us a quick overview of this chapter so John over to you.
0: Hi welcome and uh, trust you find this podcast helpful today as well as outlined it's On the subject of tenacity, the power of tenacity. And yesterday I looked up just to help me to get a better understanding of tenacity, and it means it can mean holding your ground, persevering, determining, or being determined, determination. And Samuel opens a chapter with a quote from Hudson Taylor. I think it's true. At the timberline where the storms strike with the most fury, the sturdiest trees are found. And Hudson Taylor was a man who persevered, pioneered and persevered. Mm. And the opening story is about a man, well, the son of a man called Wayne Alcon, who is the national president of Australian Christian churches. And he talks about his son, Brendan, who, from a very early age, had a desire to play international cricket. Mm. Uh, and then something went wrong. He pulled and damaged some ligament, which restricted him, and they said to him he would never play again. Yeah. And Brendan's father makes his comment, all of a sudden, which is page 186, the dreams he had carried from early childhood seemed to come crashing down. The idea of playing as a professional of trying his hand in the English county cricket system seemed in, a, in an instant to be a death blow. It became apparent there would be no cricket for him that season. And then came the dreaded word from sports medicine specialist that his playing career was over. He was advised to give up the sport he loved for the sake of his own Mm well-being they go on to say we all have a choice when we encounter personal pain and that's true brendan's choice was to do all he could to manage the injury in order to regain a quality active lifestyle with the hope of playing some level of competitive sport And I like the little quote that's in the book here, page 192, by Charles Spurgeon. By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. He wasn't the fastest of animals, but he just kept persevering. Yeah. Kept climbing over stones, and I thought that was a good illustration was. Yeah. So, the power of tenacity, and Samuel goes on and he goes through a list of people who played for the San Jose Sharks during the 2011 playoffs and what he's really saying is that in life we have contacts we we get pushed about, things happen to us but he makes the point that these players on this team who played during the 2011 playoffs listen to what he says Joe Thornton, the Sharks' captain and best player, skated in the last playoff game with a badly separated shoulder that will require surgery. Mm. He played throughout the playoffs with a broken pinky, which I understand to be a little finger, yeah. which was surgically repaired. The tip of the finger was just floating and that forced Thornton to adjust the grip on his stick, exasperating a wrist problem but they played through pain. Yeah, Tenacity. They kept going. Dan Boyle, the team's top defenseman played since mid-March with a sprained medical collateral ligament in a knee, an injury that normally requires six weeks to heal. Tenacity. Yeah. Persevering. Forward Rain Crow, a key playoff performer, had his shoulder separated in the second round against Detroit. He missed one game but returned. He needed help pulling on his jump on his jersey and he needed a trainer to tie his skates. My word. Yeah. That's tenacity.
1: Yeah.
0: Wing Danny Heatley played with a hand that had been broken during the season. He also sustained a high ankle sprain and they kept playing.
1: Yeah.
0: And then they quote the coach. To these players and their coach, the hope of winning the Stanley Cup gave them a steel win to endure pain. The coach was pleased with the effort and general manager Doug Wilson expected nothing less. He was philosophical about playing through the injuries. He said, Did we drain our tank and leave us susceptible to injuries because we didn't leave ourselves any margin of error? The lesson he concluded was to play even harder from the beginning of next season. <laughs> We have to be ready from day one next year. Yeah. And the next little heading there is, you've got to push through pain. We all have pain. We all have pain. Personal, family pain, ministry pain. What do we do? Like you mentioned to me a few moments ago about people can walk off the pitch.
1: Yeah. We can't do that. No. We can't. And then uh, I highlighted this on the pushing through it heading. um, And it says, gut level tenacity is as important... As raw talent. Absolutely. Because you can have raw talent, but the minute things get tough, if you quit, you're not going to do anything. But if you've got the tenacity, you'll carry on and you'll endure. And actually, if you've got the tenacity, you'll probably do better than people who have just got raw talent but quit.
0: That's true, Wes. And we see these people on the football pitch in our world, the soccer pitch. Yeah. And they go out there, perform, but nobody knows the pain. No. And I think I remember... Many, many years ago, David Shemin was saying to me, You never wear your pain on your sleeve. No. Just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean everybody else is having a bad day. Yeah. And you just got to get up there and do what you're called to do and just carry on. And then he talks through about pushing through it. He mentions a lady called Mary. Wittenberg, who is the president and CEO of the New York Road Runners, the organisation that sponsors the New York City Marathon. And she identified the secret of successful marathoners, mental tenacity, yeah. and the ability to manage and even thrive on and pushing through the pain is a key segregator between the mortals and the immortals in running. Those people who push through the pain barrier. Yeah. she described runners who come to the finish line with saliva streaming from their faces. We have towels at marathon finish to wipe away the spit on the winners' faces. Our creative teams sometimes have to airbrush it off race photos that we want to use for ad campaigns. And then they quote a man called Tom Fleming, who's a two-time winner of the race and now a coach. He described his mindset in races. I was given a body that could train every single day and a mind, a mentality that believed if I trained every day and I could train every day, I'll beat you. Mm-hmm. The mentality was I will do whatever it takes to win. I was totally willing to have Sorry, I was totally willing to have the worst pain. I was totally willing to do whatever it takes to win the race. And then they go on to quote a man called doctor Joe Ger-Owen Swart, who works for the Sports Science Institute of South Africa. He concluded, Some think athletes must have an easy time of it, but that's a wrong assumption. It never gets easier as your time improves you hurt just as much. Accepting the reality of pervasive pain, he explained, leads to more realistic expectations and faster times. Knowing how to accept the reality of pain allows people to improve their performance.
1: Yeah. It's all about perseverance. Working through the pain. The more you work through the pain, the more you persevere, the more you'll achieve. That's what's coming out of here.
0: That's true. And then he talks about a couple, Seth Barnes and his wife Karen. This is page 192. For them, the personal heartache in his family wasn't about politics. When their daughter Leah was a child, she suffered a chronic and severely painful ear infection. The sickness affected her ability to hear, so she had a hard time connecting to family and friends. A few years later, other problems surfaced. Her palate hadn't fully formed and she also had speech difficulties as well as as learning difficulties. And then he makes this comment. At many points in this journey, Seth and Khan realised they had a choice. They could shake their fists at God and and incubate a vindictive spirit or choose to trust him knowing that somehow he will redeem it. Mm Instead of disassociating, ignoring the pain. And some people do that, worse yeah. They just ignore the pain. It's not real, but it is real. Yeah. Engaging in endless distractions or blaming anyone and everyone. Seth and Karen concluded they had no choice but to trust God. And when I see people who who still have to push their 15, and 16-year-old children around in buggies and some of them have to wear helmets, yeah. you think, wow. People just persevere. Tenacity. They just keep on going. And for us in ministry, we have great days and we have not so great days. Yeah. You preach well, you don't preach well. You just got to keep going.
1: He then goes on to the refusing to quit yeah. heading and he says, when we're in pain, we quickly notice the default setting on the human heart. Run, blame, smother the hurt in busyness yeah. or act like nothing's wrong. And uh, I also thought about something else that could be added into that sentence and also numbing the pain because pain is where True. things like alcohol addiction and drug addiction or any sort of addiction can mm. come out because people are trying to numb the pain and um, even if it's just a temporary relief and um, to persevere we need a vision for the future that's bigger Absolutely. than our pain
0: we do and then he goes on, on page 194 he quotes pastor and broadcaster Bob Gass, who does a wonderful daily Bible reading with thoughts, which mm-hmm. is, I think, millions of people around the world it. It's very, very good. And he made a comment. He identifies the four primary traits of resilient people, people who've got tenacity. Number one, they take control of their lives instead of spending energy trying to blame others or waiting for them to bail them out. Mm. They may want to quit, but they don't. Instead, they look at the past and think about how they handled adversity before. And they look at the present with clear eyes as problem solvers. I think that's very important. Problem solvers. They just find solutions. Number two, they surround themselves with the right people. We may have grown up in an addicted, abusive or abandoning family but we can make choices today to spend time with people who live in truth and who have hope for tomorrow.
1: Mm.
0: Number three, they allow their pain to spur growth instead of collapsing in self-pity. Even when a life goal is completely blocked by disease or any other cause Resilient people find an open door when others only saw the one that's closed. Yeah. Wow. That is that is resilience, that is tenacity. Number four. They insist on changing what they can and not worry about the rest. For resilient people, encounters with pain enable them to sift. Through their responsibilities and priorities. Suddenly, many things that seemed important are no longer on the top of the to do list. But other things, such as people they love and I cause they can champion, are now on top.
1: Mm. And then he talks about the necessary process. And uh, Wayne Cordillero wrote an eye opening and challenging book, Sifted Pursuing Gray Free Trials Challenges and disappointment and he said this he said the process of sifting comes to that moment when our strength is spent is how god builds our faith it's a process that forms new character tearing away old perspectives and putting fresh truth in its place former habits are discarded and wrong tendencies are abandoned i found that a very challenging quote very Mm -hmm. good quote
0: in that section that you just read from west the necessary process he further illustrates from Wayne Cordero who says the truth is you will fail you simply won't have what it takes when you begin you may have the calling the zeal the energy and the support you might even have the location the invitation and even the money but when you begin you won't have what it takes to finish what is that you might ask what's missing is that inner core the tensile strength of faith that is revealed only under strain it is a quality of character that is tested not in port but in the open seas and it is this testing that ratifies your calling it is something that can be acquired only through failure learning your limits and learning to trust not in yourself but in the god who has called you as long as we see failures stress and difficulties as as intruders we'll fail to let them teach us shape us and strengthen us mm. when we expect god to use pain in our lives to sift us prune us and build us up we'll have the tenacity it takes to endure hard times yes. and then under the section no regrets he makes this comment god often uses difficulties to clarify our purpose purify our motives, and give us a clearer sense of direction. And that's very true. Very true. And then I
1: also like this quote just above it, G.K. Chesterton, and it says, how you think when you lose determines how long it will be until you win.
0: What did I say to you when you read that?
1: Um, I think for me it was all about mindset. I think it was a case of, you know, if you think, if your mind goes towards quitting then you're never going to win. But if you think, okay, this is just a bump in the road, Mm -hmm. and then you carry on and you persevere and you show that tenacity, um, then you'll win quicker, I Mm. think is what it's saying. Because you can slow yourself down by giving up or taking a pause. But if you just see it as a bump in the road, as an obstacle to to overcome, then you'll win quicker. Mm. That's
0: how I read it. Yeah, that's so... I read it a few times and I thought, what does it mean? And I agree with your words. I think it's that, that... If you, if you lie down when difficulty comes, you're gonna stay there. Yeah. You're gonna stay there, and you'll never get up. And it's it's by facing those obstacles, as you said, that we we get stronger and yeah. we develop tenacity, perseverance.
1: I think it comes down to the message of the whole book. It comes down to how you view pain. Yes. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's your view. It's your mindset. You can choose to view mm. it as something that's going to crush you, or you can choose to view it as a learning curve.
0: Absolutely. And he mentioned it, I think, a few moments ago, we mentioned it, but we mustn't see pain as an intruder. Yeah. God uses it. And and then he gives us great story, ways. absolutely great story about J.R. Briggs. He was asked to be the heir apparent of a large church near Philadelphia. During his first year, he preached several times to a congregation of about 3,000 people. One Sunday, as he was walking back to his office between services, a couple approached him and said, we just know you're going to be the next Andy Stanley. But he reflected that when they said that, he thought, do I want to be the pastor of a megachurch? With all his pressures and his performances. And he came to this conclusion that he didn't.
1: No. He decided it wasn't God's best for him. It wasn't God's best for him,
0: yeah. phrase he used. And he said... He reflects upon the moment he resigned and walked away. I left the church staff two years to the day of my hiring. That season of our lives could be summed up with one word, loss. I was wrestled to the ground by loneliness and despair. I felt like my soul was bludgeoned, dumped in the dark alley and left to die. Mm -hmm. But he goes on and he went and he started a new church. that was never going to be a mega church, but... For him he had the tenacity to keep going. He could have he could have felt the failure, but you know, I can't manage this mega church. And not all churches not all churches are called to be megachurches either. Nice. And he said, Studying the new church didn't relieve the annoying sense of loss. J. R. remembered, My perceived ministry failure had created a virtual poison that left me living in a cramped cell. I was suffering from spiritual claustrophobia. And then he talks about when we have those bumps in the road, as you described them, Wes. Mm. There are three ways we can respond. Instead of running from God, i one, we can run from God. Mm. We can fight with people. Or the third way was we can begin to see ourselves as someone who's loved, forgiven, and accepted child of the king. And he makes this comment, When I chose this third way, yielding, the Father moves me from a posture of rejection to acceptance and from a place of shame to honour. Despite my failure to live up to some standards which invariably leads to being rejected by others, God did not reject me. Mm -hmm. I belong to him and regardless of how I perform, he still loves me. And I think for me, that is foundational. If we're going to recover... If we're going to grow if we're going to have a different worldview, is to know the fact that i'm loved by god not because i pastor a mega church or i pastor 50 people on the road i'm loved by god
1: yeah it was a hard time for him as well it was very
0: hard some people
1: accused him of wasting mm. his life basically and the talents that god had given him and in the old church Sent him hate mail for a year. I can't understand that. No, I cannot understand that. It actually maybe it. Actually, made me really sad reading it because yeah. you know I think how can Christians who have experienced the grace and love of God behave in that way? And mm-hmm. I struggle with that still. You know.
0: And and for those of us who are listening now, maybe you've had what people perceive as a failure. Yeah. Or you you can't live up to people's expectations. God's at work in that. Just keep going. Keep, keep doing your best. And then Samuel Chan makes a comment in page one nine eight. He says, The moment of failure, Briggs noted, is a watershed experience. It has power to transform or destroy. Every, every obstacle like that was. Every painful experience can do one or the other. Yeah. God invites us into a process of transformation, a classroom where he is the wise, loving instructor. As he continues to learn this lesson, Briggs has increasingly experienced the paradox of faith. He is becoming stronger and more humble, bold but at peace, honest yet compassionate. Though he is not comfortable in his role as the pastor of a small church, questions about his value as a small church pastor occasionally return to the dark corners of his mind. But now he has an answer. He makes his comment, When my heart whispers these questions, I remind myself of the truth of the gospel. My identity and my worth as a pastor and as a person is not wrapped around what I do or how large my congregation is. It's not tied to how much clout or influence others think I possess. It's only based on one thing. I am a cherished child of the King. Amen. And then... Samuel relates a couple of things from his own experience. He says this. Before I began the lessons of tenacity, I grossly overestimated what God wanted to do in the short term, and I grossly underestimated what God wanted to do in the long term. Yeah. Today, I have more of a long-term view which gives me peace like a river, when trials attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows rose. In spite of the obvious headaches and heartaches near me, I'm convinced that God is still the gracious king. Yeah. Wow.
1: And then he goes into longer, deeper. as the next section. And uh I highlighted this. He said, the sweeping arc of scripture is creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Yes. God's solemn promise is to bring everything back into perfect alignment Yes. no tears, no regrets, no sin only unfettered love joy and purpose in the new heaven and new earth of God's fully consummated kingdom
0: we need to understand that in every situation there's always redemption, restoration finding what God wants and I like this quote by Wayne called Dario on page 199 there are two pains in life The pain of discipline or the pain of regret? You choose. You choose. There's always a choice. There's always a choice, There's always a choice. And then he mentions our perspective about tomorrow radically affects how we respond to today. Spiritual myopia enables us to see only what is right in front of us and we're often alarmed. But hope gives us courage to face any calamity or nagging difficulty. God has given us a magnificent promise for our future in the new heaven and the new earth. In fact, it's so wonderful that it overwhelms us. Mm. The process begins here and now.
1: Yeah, and then he quotes Teresa of Avila and he says, the first moment in the arms of Jesus, the first moment of heaven is going to make a thousand years of misery on earth look like one night in a bad hotel. And I love that quote. (laughs) I think that's great. And then towards the end of the chapter, he says, know this, to persevere, we need a vision for the future that's bigger than our pain. And then he says, do this. Think of pain as a watershed to transform or to destroy. Who are some people you know who have been transformed, character proven, faith deepened, hope secured by their experiences with pain? Who are some who have been destroyed? What's the difference in their pains and their response? And then he says, think about this. And he outlines some questions, which we'll put on the discussion page. He says, does it surprise you that only one in 20 people who enter the ministry retire from it? Explain. Two, what can you learn from the tenacity of athletes, either in contact sports or endurance sports? Three, are there particular kinds of difficulties that cause you more anxiety than others and tempt you to quit? What have been the crises in your life? and ministries that caused you to want to bail, do you see a pattern? For which of the four traits of resilient people is already present in your life? Which ones need some work? How will you develop this trait? Five, how would it change your response to difficulties if you were convinced that God would use them to sift you and transform you? And then finally, how do the longer view of the certainty of restoration in the new heaven and new earth and the deeper view of Christ's endurance give you at least a little more tenacity? And then he ends the chapter the same way he always does and he says, and remember, you'll grow only to the threshold of your pain. And that's all we've got time for today. So as always, we'd love for you to join the discussion. I'll put those questions on the discussion page. So go to carltoncommunitychurch.com forward slash talking books and then click the button that takes you to the discussion page. We'd love to hear from you and we look forward to speaking to you next time. Thank you for
0: joining us for this episode of Talking Books. We hope you found it helpful and encouraging. For more information or to leave a comment and join the Talking Books discussion, please visit carltoncommunitychurch.com forward slash talkingbooks.